Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Hey everyone, this is Chris, and welcome to Dads with Daughters, where we bring you guests to help you be active participants in your daughters' lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast. Really excited to have you here today. And Rob Einbinder is with me today. Rob and I go back quite a few years. Yeah, we've been kind of commiserating being dads with daughters, <laughs> uh, and and really just kind of getting to know each other through the virtual spaces. But actually, meeting in person too. It's always fun to meet in person and be able to connect. So, Rob, thanks for being with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me on your podcast today. I'm excited to be here. You know, Rob, I am excited to talk to you about you and your daughter, and but yeah. also about the journey that that you and your daughter and your wife had gone through before your wife's passing. Because I think that that journey is a, an important one because there are dads like you that have had to go through this and have had to help their own daughters or their own children through that transition period through illness and then uh, into the next phase. So I really am excited to be able to talk to you about that, to be able to shed some light on the journey that you went through and, and maybe even help some other dads along the way as well. Okay. Yeah. Happy to be here and do that. So to start off today, I always love to just first jump in and talk a little bit about your daughter, because I know you've got a teenage daughter, just like I have a teenage daughter. So I want you to go back in time a little bit, and I want you to think back to when you first became a dad and what your first reaction was when you found out that you were going to be a father to a daughter. Yeah, I was, I mean, I was just over the moon that I was going to be a dad to begin with. It was something I always wanted to do as a human on this earth. And then to find out that it was going to be a daughter added a layer of complexity that I hadn't anticipated. But I was still beside myself with wonder when this human being, my daughter, was delivered that day in 2003. And it's it has fundamentally changed me, no doubt. It definitely does change you. Uh, you know, my when my first daughter was born in 2004, yeah, you know, they don't come with a manual. So you That's right. They sure don't. Especially if you're an only child. So, you know, growing up in a family with no other brothers or sisters, not really understanding and seeing and doing any of the that type of stuff. Right. You, know, you jump in with both feet or you're kind of forced to jump in with both feet and Of course. It, it, you have a lot of memorable experiences because you don't yeah. know exactly what the heck is going to be happening. Absolutely. Thinking back to those me memories for yourself, what are some of the most memorable experiences that you say that you've had with your daughter thus far? So I would say as an infant, there was this memory that I had diaper changing. And, and you know, it's a skill that's acquired and sometimes situations pop up. And I'll just say there was this one time I was in the middle of changing her diaper and somehow number two became projectile and made its way across the room and struck the door that was open to her nursery. Still to this day, I'm befuddled at how that even happened, but that is definitely an early memory with my daughter changing a diaper. I think every every father has an experience changing a diaper, whether you have a daughter or a son. There's right. going to be some story uh, something that happens, whether it be changing a diaper, bathtub stories where things might happen, you know, lots of things that happen, that, you know, you, you you never really thought about happening in your life. And, and then it does. And, you know, 
you take the uh, the interesting experiences and the 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 the, the just the day to day stuff too. Yeah, right. I'd say another thing that I think stuck in my brain is a little more recent, and that is that when she wanted to start, quote unquote, dating. And so what we did for the first few boys that she dated was we chaperoned them. And that was an interesting experience to chaperone them. I remember her first one that we chaperoned and the dad dropped off the boy, but we were there chaperoning the two of them. It was at a movie theater. We sat a few rows back, just thought that was appropriate. Kind of our philosophy was increasing amounts of adult-like experiences, knowing they're not full-blown adults yet and probably need a guiding hand or at least some advice along the way. So we didn't just let her rush out on her own with a young man that we just met once. So that was something else that's kind of stuck in my mind as well as, you know, as we've gone along and, and seen her grow up. You know, I think all of us have those experiences as they grow and they want more autonomy. And it's that whole concept of how much are we willing to give? How much are we willing to give away? Because it's challenging because Mm -hmm. you're giving away some of your own self and that self-control. The fact that we don't always know what's going to happen. We're trying to safeguard our daughters to help them to make sure that you know, when they start dating, that their hearts don't get broken or that, you know, or that if they do, they know how to deal with that. And right. And just make good, those good decisions that need to be made, you know, with, with increasingly amounts of freedom comes an increasing amount of responsibility. And, and that opportunity is earned. That's the corollary to this is that, that in order to be able to go out and be more social, all these other things that we expect of you have to be met. And so it's, I know some dad, some parents have a heck of a time kind of getting across to them that it's, it's this whole thing that you need to do well, or this social thing doesn't happen or, you know, and, and I'm, I'm really lucky. And I know I am, but she has her head on straight. She gets great grades. She does the work. And so that makes it that much easier to kind of open up and begin to help her figure out the whole social thing. Now, as your daughter is getting older, I know that sometimes teenagers start to pull away. They start to have that more autonomy. They start to figure out who they are for themselves. But are there things that you and your daughter still like to do together that um, kind of bond you still together? Do you have some favorite things that you like to do? Even just the smallest thing, driving through to grab some coffee or some things of how we bond. There weren't any traditions established. There weren't any breakfasts out kind of established early on, but we kind of have focused on creating experiences. And I received this handmade gift from my daughter over the holidays, and it's cut out wood of the state that we live in. We live in North Carolina. and, And a background behind it says, our adventures. And so... 
the intention is that we'll use this to document our further adventures together. So those are some of the ways that we bond. Now, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about today is the journey that you, your wife, your daughter went on together. For those of you that probably should give some context is that Rob's wife, Angela, went through a extended bout of cancer. It was an extended journey that they went on and it ended up taking Angela's life. And I know that, Rob, as you and your, your family went through through this, uh, you had a lot of people around you. You had that support network that really was there to help you. But I know that there are other people that go through things like this. And I want to kind of get some context from you about not only the journey and helping your, your child to process this and, and, and for you to process this as, as a husband and as a father, but, but also now that, we're, that you're past this. So why don't we start with the journey itself, because, you know, I'm sure that, with, I mean, for you as a husband, I mean, this is, this is a blow, but, but then you have a daughter too. How do you start to work with your daughter to be able to con- conceptually and your, and how did your, you and your wife, I guess, work with your daughter to try to help her through this process of going through all of the medical pieces, trying to help her to better understand and conceptualize what was going on? I think at the beginning of this, you know, we tried to get a temperament from my daughter as far as what amount of information she wanted. So we started sharing with her all of the day to day and everything that was going on. And then as we experienced it, we figured out that a little bit of a roll up was was what she could deal best with that 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 was a little too intense. So we we kind of felt our way through this, really. There's no playbook. Certainly you lean on the American Cancer Society and there's there's some resources there, but but ultimately when it's you within your family unit, you know, you have to figure out according to what you know about their temperament and their ability to process and what what's appropriate. So th- we started with that at the beginning and and I think the other piece of it is really acknowledging that they're going to process it differently than you might. I think that the important thing to know is that when your spouse passes, there's still a parent present. There's still a relationship with a child. There's still a responsibility. You're still there to care for them and be present. And I think that's the biggest thing is is to be present. As men, we kind of have a tendency to internalize and and kind of shut down a little bit, but we really have to fight that natural inclination and really work to be present and be aware for our, our children because they rely on us and they rely on us a lot in a lot of different ways that we might not realize. They do rely on us. And, and as you said, you know, they, you do have to be present. You have to be, be there. Now, I want to ask you this because as you said, a lot of men would internalize this. They would go, they would really turn internally on themselves and not look to ask for help. Yeah. And that, that's hard. I mean, that'd be very difficult because if you're internalizing that to yourself and you're also supposed to be present for your own child, then you've got this dichotomy that's happening that, you know, that are going against each other. So for you personally, uh, how did you work through this? And I'm sure you're still working through it. Yeah, absolutely. You're never done working through this. You might be beyond the initial period of loss, but that component of grief is going to be with you, I think, the rest of your life. But its impact over time will gradually dissipate. But 
I'd say that it wasn't natural for me to go out and ask for help. And in fact, it wasn't natural for Angela, my late wife, to accept help. But one of the lessons we learned is that the way some people show up and the way they show they care is that they want to offer you help. And that help can come in all kinds of different ways. Like you might not even know. Credit where credit is due, Angela's best girlfriends in the world kind of banded together and kind of harnessed this volunteer effort and this spirit to kind of focus team of people, team Angela, on the things that we'd identified as priorities. And that was a marvelous thing that they did. But I'll say there was the first thing that kind of got us into accepting help was a local friend had knit Angela a hat. And at first, we talked internally about wanting it, not wanting it. And at the time, one of Angela's girlfriends was here with us, and she's really into her faith. And she kind of reminded us that this is the way people bless you. And this is, you know, this is the way people show up. And so we, we talked and then I reached back out to her. I said, sure, bring it by. And 24 hours later, she brought the hat and it was beautiful and something that Angela could wear when it got colder out. And that was kind of what got us into kind of being able to accept help because we were for all intents and purposes, what you'd expect most adults be, you know, be able to do, you are self-sustaining, contributing to society and paying your own way. And when a medical emergency comes upon us, sometimes it's a little beyond even our ability for what we've prepared for. And that was the case for Angela's brain cancer treatment. And that was 12 months of treatment and then six months off treatment just in hospice care where the decision was made to choose to have quality over quantity of life. And that was a big decision of Angela's that she made. You know, a lot of people have life-altering diagnoses presented to them, and we each make a different decision. Some people decide they're going to fight it, and they're going to fight it with everything and everything that's available to them. We took a look at what was being proposed to her and what the potential impact would be on her and her remaining quantity of life. And she decided that she'd rather not have that. And it turned out that that was what was best for us. And ultimately it enabled her to stay at home to in the beginning, accept family and friends to visit. And she was able to get around the house a lot and participate as time wore on. We weren't as open to accepting guests. She wasn't able to get out of bed. And finally, two weeks of the day, she asked me to be transferred to the hospice facility. And then two weeks from that day, she passed away at hospice. Now, after that period of time in hospice and the passing of Angela, I'm sure that, as we were talking about with grief, the grief that you have, there's the grief that your daughter has, and it's an extended period that manifests itself in different ways. Right. As time goes on, and as time has gone on, how have you had to work internally in yourself, but also how have you had to support your own daughter through different milestones that have occurred in that period of time? Well, we've, we've each taken a different path to grief, and I think this highlights how every individual processes grief differently and that 
the timeline for it is individualized. I'd say if if you're experiencing, if you meet somebody in grief, don't think you have a lock on how long they should be processing grief because you don't. It's completely individualized. Now, as for me, I leaned on my faith. I took advantage of grief counselors at hospice. I did meditation. I began to exercise again. I began to take better care of myself at at the outset. And Natalie is has done it differently. She's leaned on her friends and her boyfriend, and that's the way she's gone about it. So I'm there to support her and however she wants to go about it. I did request, and she did have one visit with a social worker at hospice to see if that was something she wanted to pursue because those professionals deal with grief all the time, and they have specialist knowledge that a parent doesn't necessarily have. But what I found out is everybody takes a different path with this. Now, as you think of the future and you think of the things that you have in front of you, are there things that you hope to be able to set up for yourself, set up for your daughter to help you both as time moves forward? So there's one project I'm working on. I've started a book about this whole journey and I anticipate that coming out in the not too distant future. I think it's important that as dads, that we make sure we have wills in place and that we have life insurance in place. And when I speak of life insurance, I'm speaking of term life insurance. Those things you should absolutely have in place. If you don't, you're kind of throwing it to the wind at your own peril because you'll never know what another person's wishes are and you won't be at any way financially prepared to carry on your job as leader of the family, you know, in your new situation. So I would say that that those two things are really important, a will and life insurance. And in fact, I have to take some additional actions now, now that I'm a, you know, I'm alone. This wasn't Angela's choice. She's not still around. This isn't a divorce situation. This is, you know, she's gone forever. So I have to take some additional steps in estate planning and that sort of thing to ensure that there's this continuity that we expect, that I expect, and that things are handled in a way that benefit Natalie when it's my turn. We don't know when the road will turn. So really have to focus on the now. If I cannot emphasize anything more, but emphasize living in the now, yesterday's gone, tomorrow is out of reach. The only thing you can hope to have any input on is right now. Not saying you can't have goals and ambitions and dreams, but you have to be present in the now. I appreciate you sharing that. Now, for any dad that may be going through some type of situation like this, that they have a, a spouse, a child, you know, someone that is fighting illness that may not end up the way that they want it to. Are there pieces of advice that you would give to them from someone that has gone through it themselves that would help them to either if they're starting the process or going through the process? Yeah. So one thing that I did, and I talked with Angela about this early on is for us, we realized that a lot of the people we knew were on Facebook. So I quickly started a Facebook group because what I figured out was that 
my ability to update everybody on her illness was limited. And inside a Facebook group, I could really provide a bunch of people with updates. And then a superset of those group members kind of got direct communication. These were family members, moms, dads, stepmoms, stepdads. You know, we just organized it in that way. And I started it purely out of, for a selfish reason, I couldn't communicate with all these people one-on-one. So, but what wound up happening is that this Team Angela group turned into a movement and mobilized in ways I had not even anticipated. We got things repaired at the house. We got things improved at the house to help her live more fully at the house. Gift cards showed up that helped us meet our obligations more easily. All of these things happened. In fact, the group was so pivotal pitiful to us at her memorial service, we Facebook lived it into the group so that the group that couldn't attend the funeral, the memorial service, could at least see the service and hear the service and be a part of the service. And so I would say get, get connected with local resources. If you're on Facebook and you have a, a big f- contingent of friends and family, um, consider starting a Facebook group. Look at um, look at the programs available and the resources available from the American Cancer Society. I know that they even do free rides in some areas for some patients. But the other piece of it is don't don't ignore the financial piece of this. If you're uninsured or underinsured, the bills are going to come, and you need to get organized. I have this three inch binder that has tabs. It has all the bills. It has all the bills that were communicated to me. And something else, if you're totally self-pay, no insurance, you can negotiate bills with the hospital. It might take some enormous amount of energy and time, but you can still do it. I negotiated down bills 55% and then was able to go back in some cases and get an additional 10% knocked off. And this was after she passed away because there's no reason why you should pay the full amount if you're not covered by insurance. I really appreciate you sharing all of that because I know that not everyone would think about all of these different things. So now we always finish our interviews with what we like to call our fatherhood five, where we ask you five questions to delve a little bit deeper into you and your daughter again. Great. Um, so I do appreciate everything that you've shared and, you know, my heart goes out to you and, and, and to, for everything that you've gone through, through this, this period. Thanks very much. So first and foremost, in one word, what is fatherhood? What is fatherhood? Presence. When was a time that you felt that you finally succeeded in being a father to a daughter? When she donated her hair to Locks of Love. How would your daughter describe you as a dad? Well, she did on a t-shirt. <laughs> and it included the word bug killer. <laughs> That's so, a unique one. So, so there were three words on this t-shirt that Life of Dad produced as a fundraiser for us. And one of them was bug killer. So I'm her bug killer. Now, who inspires you to be a better dad? So one thing that does is the lack of a consistent fatherhood figure in my life, because I grew up in a single parent family and he didn't always take advantage of visitation for whatever reason. We don't know. We're kids. We're just thrown in this thing, right? So I would say from experiencing that, I said, 
to myself, I want to do something different, if at all humanly possible. I want to be present. I want to go to all these things that happen at school. I want to be there for, for when she first, she's in her first high school play, when she does her first choir solo, when she accepts an award, when she's on the field as a member of guard on the football field uh, during halftime and she performs, going to the competitions. I really wanted to do all that stuff. I was like, I am signing up for that. That was totally what I wanted to do. What I didn't realize was this well of love and emotion that I would feel doing it all. It's been, for the most part, been really awesome. It's been challenging at times, but it's been really awesome. And your final question, what advice would you give to other dads? Be patient. It does get better. You do get more sleep and lean on other dads. There's a lot of dads that are out there that have really great advice. And the dads with daughters groups, a great place to be to start, no doubt. But check in with if there's a, a brotherhood group or a men's group at your your place of worship, that's another place to get great advice. Well, Rob, I really appreciate you being with me today. Now, if people want to find you or find out more about you, where should they go? Yeah, it's been great being on. I think one of the best places you can connect with me is at, at my blog, robainbinder.com. And I'm also on Facebook, Rob Ainbinder Digital Dad, and on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. And you can connect with me on LinkedIn if you want to do something a little more professional. Well, Rob, thank you so much for sharing your story, sharing your experiences with your daughter, and I wish you all the best. Thanks very much for this opportunity. It was great chatting with you, Christopher. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat. And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen, carpenters and muscle men, get out and be the world to them. Be the best dad you can be. Be the best dad you can be.